be seated. Well, good morning. I'm so happy to be here at Coastal Community Church. I'm humbled that your pastor would think highly of me to hire me as the executive pastor here at Coastal, and I'm excited for what God has in store for us this morning and for what God has in store for us as a church as we look out over the horizon and the darker the darkness, the brighter the light shines. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 20. We're going to uh, continue on with the Believe series, and I want to talk about our Christian hope. Now, hope is an interesting thing. It's a word that's uh, thrown around a lot. And as we look at our Christian hope here in John chapter 20, we recognize that our hope is not in some idea or some feeling, but it is in an event, a factual event. John chapter 20 Beginning verse 1, it says, Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple ran to the tomb to see. The other disciple outran Peter and got there first. I love John. He's writing this and he's saying, I'm faster than Peter. (laughs) The other disciple outran Peter and got there first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying to the side. Then the other disciple also went in, he saw and believed, for until then they hadn't realized that the scripture said he would rise from the dead. Then they went home. Let's pray. Father, we pray in the next few moments you would illuminate your word to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My wife is pregnant and we are old, older than we thought we were going. We thought we were all done having children. My youngest is seven, almost eight. And um, what happened in a uh, January day, my wife calls me and says, come home now, immediately. So I thought somebody had died. I thought there was something very serious that had happened. And so I got in the car. I race home from work. And she says, go over to the bedroom. And so we walk into the bedroom and she locks the door, which means something really serious has happened because the kids were home playing from school. And I'm looking at my wife and my wife is looking at me and there's a bit of silence and I'm a little uneasy because something major is happening. And she sticks her hand in her pocket and she pulls out this stick (laughs) and it has these little lines that tell you positive. And she said... I'm pregnant, and we're not talking about it. (laughs) Then she sticks it in her pocket, opens the door, walks out, and for two and a half months, we didn't talk about it. (laughs) As hard as I tried to bring it, no, we're not talking about it. I don't want to talk about it. She was kind of ignoring this fact of something that had happened. 
And sometimes in the church, we sometimes ignore the fact of Jesus' glorious resurrection. In fact, I hear this all the time. I hear people share the gospel, and it goes something like this. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and he can save you. And sometimes they ignore the fact of the most important part, of, I believe, of the gospel is that Jesus rose from the dead bodily, not just spiritually. Lots of people go, yeah, something happened. No, Jesus bodily rose from the dead. And we can ignore it all we want, but this is the very event that the Apostle Paul says is our hope. This is it. You may be saying today, you know, I just don't feel God like I used to. You know, I prayed and I never got the answer I needed. You know, I, I asked God to heal me and he didn't heal me. Or I asked God to, to heal my, my brother or my sister or a family member that died or a friend. And sometimes we, that cause these events in our life sometimes cause us to emotionally and, and mentally want to give up hope. And we come to church and we sing about the resurrection, we sing about the power of God, and we think, man, God, if you really cared, you would have answered this prayer. You would have come and you would have empowered me or, or the situation to answer it the way that I wanted. And we miss out on the fact that, you know what? Jesus did answer the prayer 2,000 years ago that death was not the end of the story, but that his glorious resurrection. And Jesus said this in John, because I live, you will live also. That this life is not all that there is. That we get so consumed in this 70, 80, 90 years when God has given us eternal life that death is something or illness or hardship is something that causes us to lose hope. But God has given us the event of his son Jesus Christ and his bodily resurrection. Nothing could be greater so by means of introduction, we need to start with this. Jesus died. In fact, Isaiah 53, 5 spoke of this. He said, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The King Jimmy says, by his stripes, we are healed. It's by his beating, his wounds, that the blood was shed for the remission of our sins, for everything that we had done wrong, past, present, and future. And we look at that and we say, wow. Jesus was crucified on the Roman cross, an excruciating way to die. It's death by asphyxiation, in case you didn't know. He didn't die from the blood loss. He died from suffocation. He could not breathe. And he died. Yes, it was terrible. And we were crying. Jesus was then buried in a borrowed tomb, and then Jesus gave us the most wonderful picture. See, the resurrected Jesus, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is a snapshot of eternal life. In fact, the, the apostle Peter talked about it that way, that it is, if you want to know what eternal life looks like, look at the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the snapshot, the picture, our hope for what's to come for every believer. For every person that has believed and received Jesus Christ, the resurrected 
body of Jesus Christ is that snapshot of our hope. If you're taking notes, write this down. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is our hope. We know that Jesus died. Almost everyone acknowledges that. He made claims. Many people make claims, crazy claims, that they're God, they're, they're awesome, they're amazing, and, and everybody of those people die. But here's the interesting thing. They're all still in their tombs. There's only one person in human history that has ever risen from the dead, and his name is Jesus Christ. But some of you, I can see, are kind of skeptical, and so I kind of want to take just about five Five or ten minutes just to kind of go through. How do we know that Jesus rose from the dead? John chapter 20 really is this apologetical response to all of the skepticisms that people can have regarding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And apologetics isn't I'm apologizing for my faith. No, apologetics means more of a defense, a defense of the faith. I know Pastor Sean has kind of spoke on that in the past. So how do we know Jesus rose from the dead? Well, if you're taking notes or you have your notes, you can just follow along with me. We're going to just go through these quickly. The first one is this. Natural theories all fail. What does that mean? That means anything you can conceive about Jesus rising from the dead can be debunked. And if you say, you know what, I don't really believe the Bible. I don't really want to use the Bible. Well, then let's just go through these together. Because there's a lot of historians. There's a Jewish historian named Josephus, a Roman historian named Tacitus, and we have their writings and we have their documents that say these very things. In fact, the Bible gives some of these theories. One of the theories is in Matthew 28, 13, where the, where the, the Roman soldiers came to the Jewish high priests and the leaders and said, hey, the body of Jesus is gone. What should we tell the people? And they gave him hush money. They gave them hush money and go... Just tell them that the disciples stole the body. What? See, they, all of these theories fail. Let's go through them. First one is this, the swoon theory. One of them is that Jesus didn't really die. He kind of like swooned. He kind of passed out. It's kind of like the hippie Jesus that you see sometimes, like on the cross in those pictures, and he's like, oh, oh. And he swooned. He didn't die. Like his, his heart rate slowed to the point. But what, what do you do when you, when, you, when you read the scriptures and the accounts of that he was pierced in his side and blood and water flowed from his heart? What do you do with the fact that they didn't break his legs because he was already dead? Remember, death by asphyxiation or death on a Roman cross, you, breathe, you had to exhale. You couldn't exhale in this position. In fact, if, if we tied you up, the Journal of American Medicine did a, um, in 1978, did kind of a report on what it would look like to die on a crucifixion, like on a cross. And basically, they said if you held up, kind of like monkey bars, if you held yourself up for longer than 12 minutes and you couldn't push up to exhale, you would suffocate or pass out. So the Roman soldiers, as this was happening, they were watching, and there was no exhaling. There was no movement. Jesus was dead. They pierced his side to make sure that he was really dead. Blood and water flowed. No, Jesus was dead. He was really dead. Second one was the disciples' hallucinating theory. I think this came about in the 70s or the late 60s. You know, the disciples were all in a circle listening to Spirit in the Sky, and they saw, oh, Jesus, he's risen here. Yes, he has. Here. 
But here's the deal about hallucinations. Although hallucinations are seen, nobody ever sees the same hallucination. If we were all tripping on acid together, if we were all tripping on marijuana together, God forbid in the church, God forbid, stranger things have happened, no one would see the same hallucination. I might see pink elephants. You might see risen Jesus. You might see something else. But none of us would see the same hallucination. But all of the disciples together said that they saw the risen Jesus. See, the wrong tomb theory. Maybe they went to the wrong tomb. Early the next morning, the women went to the wrong tomb. They come in, Jesus is gone. They got the wrong tomb. And Jesus was buried in some other tomb. Don't you think that would have been debunked? And the religious leaders go, you went to the wrong tomb, women. You, gen gentlemen, you went to the wrong tomb. Because Peter and John and the women that came early in the morning, everybody that was there, if they went to the wrong tomb, don't you think someone would say, here's his body. All they had to do was produce a body. Stolen body theory. This is my favorite. Somebody came in at night and stole the body. Why would you steal a dead body, first off? But second off, what do they hope to gain from this? Let's say the disciples stole the body. Did you know that it's recorded in history, apart from Scripture, that every single one, with the exception of the Apostle John, died for what they saw in regards to the risen Jesus? They were proclaiming up until their death that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, if I created this great huge lie or this huge fabrication, do you think, do you really think that you, would, that you or I would, would die for that? Don't you think you'd go, ha, just kidding, don't kill me. Here's his body. No, Jesus really rose from the dead. Listen, they, they didn't steal the body, the twin brother theory. Jesus had a twin brother miraculously. Nobody ever knew about him. He looked just like Jesus. He died on the cross. Nobody knew. There's no first century evidence for that, but obviously some magical twin brother guy, and then all of a sudden Jesus comes out, and Jesus all of a sudden appears to his disciples. So Jesus had figured out a way to be able to pass through walls. Jesus figured out a way to be able to appear and disappear. No, we don't. Here's the deal. All of these natural theories fail. Let me go through this quickly now. Disciples were transformed. John 20. Look at John 20, verse 19. On that evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. See, the disciples were transformed in the fact that they saw the risen Jesus. Nobody could take that from them. They were eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead. Here's a bunch of cowards that are hiding behind locked doors in fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus appears? No, the disciples were transformed because all of a sudden they went from behind locked doors to proclaiming in the book of Acts that they had saw the risen Jesus and that you too need to believe and receive Jesus Christ to be changed just as they were changed and transformed. See, that's what's so awesome about the resurrection. Jesus took up some ordinary people to transform and transform them. People don't change, but they can be transformed by the power of God. And the power of God transformed these 12, well, 11, lost Judas, ordinary men to be transformed, to be bold in proclaiming, even to the very breath, the last breath that they breathed. Number three, the empty tomb. Just produce a body. John 20, verse 5. 
He stopped and looked in and saw the linen cloth lying there, but didn't go in. He noticed the linen wrappings there that had covered Jesus' body lying to the side. There was no body. The tomb was empty. Where's the body? Someone say, how do we know Jesus rose from the dead? Well, where's his body? Produce the body and it's over. Number four, skeptics believed. This is one of my favorite arguments for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have Thomas. Jesus appeared to them, but Thomas wasn't there. And then if you read here in John chapter 20, verse 24 through 29, you see that Jesus, Thomas says, I'm not going to believe unless I touch his side. I put my, hands in his, my fingers in his hands and I touch his side. Jesus appears eight days later. He appears to Thomas and he says, put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand in my wound, in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, verse 28, Thomas exclaimed. He was a skeptic. Jesus' own disciple was a skeptic. Wouldn't you be a skeptic? Look at James. You can look in 1 Corinthians 15 about James, the half-brother of Jesus. Now, I don't know if you have any brothers and sisters, but I grew up with three. I have an older brother, two younger twin brothers. If one of them claimed to be God... If one of them claimed to be this all-powerful person, he did some cool magic tricks, I would not believe that he was God. I would not believe that he was something supernatural. In fact, Jesus' own brothers wanted to have him committed, if you want to read it in Mark. They thought he was cuckoo. So they were going to commit him. They were trying to put him away because they were embarrassed by him. Then all of a sudden, James now becomes the first pastor of the church of Jerusalem, the half-brother of Jesus. Now, if my brother said, hey, I'm God, I wouldn't believe him. If he died, huh, sad, tragic. But then if he rose from the dead, all of a sudden now here's Jesus' brother proclaiming. Now, I wouldn't proclaim my brother, but if he rose from the dead, I would have to seriously consider his claims. Skeptic. Total skeptic, but all of a sudden, now he's proclaiming and he becomes the pastor of the first church of Jerusalem? The apostle Paul, the persecutor of Christians. 1 Corinthians 15, 7. Here's Paul. He's not only is he, he hates Christians, he's persecuting them. And the Bible says that the apostle Paul saw the risen Jesus. That's a skeptic. Come to Christ. Transformation. Not change, transformation. Number five, the early proclamation of eyewitness accounts. Not only were these eyewitness accounts, but they were early and often. In fact, 1 Corinthians is the earliest book of the New Testament, depending on what scholars you read or whatever. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives a detailed account of the resurrection. Now think about it. It's, it within, most people believe it was between 14 to 20 years of the resurrection. Think about 9-11. Do you remember where you were? Do you remember what happened? Do you remember all of the details surrounding it? How many eyewitnesses are still alive? The Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 15 right around the same time as, as we stand now to 9-11. Risen Jesus, eyewitnesses, over 500 people Jesus appeared at one time. These people were transformed so you're like, okay, great, man, good, I got it. Jesus rose from the dead. It gives me something to believe in. Wonderful. Let's go get, let's go break for breakfast. Let's go be done. No, here's the reality. Why does the resurrection of Jesus matter? If you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Why does this matter? 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ matters. Why? Because the first thing is it gives us hope in our suffering. Jesus suffered and died. And when we're suffering, and we don't think anybody understands or can relate, Jesus suffered unto death. You're looking for hope. You're looking for somebody to understand. You're looking for someone or something to believe in, to believe on. Look no further than Jesus Christ. He gives us hope in our suffering. Number two, it is the essence of the gospel. Look at verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 15. And, is, and it is this good news or this gospel that saves you if you firmly believe it. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Verse 3, I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12 apostles, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died now. Then he was seen by James, that's the half-brother of Jesus, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, I saw him, the apostle Paul, Two, long after the others, as though I had been born at the wrong time. It's the essence of the gospel. What's the essence? What do I have to believe to be saved? What are the core facts of the gospel? If someone says, you know, that word is thrown around a lot now. It's gospel, gospel, gospel. Gospel means good news. What is the good news? What is the gospel? And I'm going to give you three really big words, but I'm going to define them for you. The first one is this, the incarnation, that Christ God came in human flesh, incarnation. It's not a uh, geriatric drink. It's not a flower. It is God come in flesh. God come in human flesh. Second is the atonement. Paul the apostle, he's saying, listen, that Christ died for our sins. Christ, being God, the Messiah, died for our sins, the atonement. That Christ, God, who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could be called the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Christ died in our place. We could pay for our sins ourselves, die, and spend an eternity apart from God. Or we could allow Christ to die in our place. He did die in our place. And then the third thing, what does it say? He rose from the dead. The resurrection. Christ bodily rose from the dead. Why do I see it keep saying bodily? Because lots of people today now are saying that Jesus rose from the dead, but it was a spiritual resurrection. What that does is that completely omits what eternal life is waiting for us. The fact that God takes this flesh and he remakes it. That God remakes this flesh to be something holy and set apart for him. Don't you feel trapped sometimes in your body? I know I do. I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, I'm getting old. Don't you want to be transformed physically? Yeah. And, it, and I don't want to go to the gym for it. Christ bodily rose from the dead. This is the essence of the gospel. This is the core facts of the gospel. This is what you must believe and receive to have eternal life. Don't say, hey, I believe the gospel and not believe these or any part of these. Number three, it is the anchor of our faith. 
Verse 17, look at verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. You want an anchor? You want an event in human history that can't be changed? You want something that will never be taken away, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead? This is what separates those that feel God and those that know God. This is what separates those that are, that are caught up in the emotionalism of religion and the, 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 the kind of this, this, yeah, it feels right, to the fact of I can stand and I know firmly that my faith is grounded on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. He's given me every reason to believe. The question is, is what am I going to do with it? Am I going to believe or not? It's the anchor of our faith. It is our look into our eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15, 53. Love this. And I wish I could read all of 1 Corinthians 15. It's 58 verses, so I'm not going to read it for you, but go home and read it. There's also great books by Gary Habermas on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wonderful books. But in verse 53... The Apostle Paul says this, for our perishable earthly bodies must be transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die. That our bodies will be transformed. See, if Jesus would have risen from the dead, if Jesus really wouldn't have died, or his body hadn't been changed and transformed, and he would have come out of the tomb and appeared to Peter, and he still, remember, he had, he had nails through his feet his hands, all the blood loss that he experienced. And he kind of knocks on the door and he shows up to his disciples and he goes, I'm risen. Would they have believed? Would they have wanted that resurrected body if no transformation of his body had taken place? No. I mean, think about it. First off, all the blood loss that he had from the cross, and then, ah, 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 as he walks all the way to their door, knocks on the door, think about it. I'm risen. Believe in me. I think they would have said, man, Jesus, we're so glad to see you. Then they would have gotten a medical attention. See, it is our look into eternal life. We have a picture of eternal life that the apostle Paul talks about. It has validated everything Jesus said is true. How do we know what Jesus said was true. He rose from the dead. No one else in human history has risen from the dead. So guess what? We can take it at his word. It's true. If anybody else had risen from the dead, guess what? Maybe we'll consider their claims. But the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, defeated death, communicates something that nobody else in human history can communicate is the fact that everything he said is true and he proved it. Not just on the cross, but with the bodily resurrection. Number six, it removed the sting of death. Love this. Death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? Death is swallowed up in victory. Death for Christians... I don't know if you've ever been with somebody when they die. One of my dear friends died... 
and I wasn't there. I was, I was out. One of my dear friends died, and just before he died, his mother was sitting with him, and he was kind of in a comatose state, and he opened his eyes as bright as could be, and he smiled, and his mom was there, and she said, you see Jesus, don't you? And he smiled so big, it, it filled the room for about 20 seconds. And then he closed his eyes and went to be with the Lord. After all the suffering that he experienced, and as his mom was crying and relaying the story, she said, God gave that to me to know that the sting of death no longer has a stinger. That's what the resurrection does. That's what it's done. Number seven, it demonstrated that Jesus is God. I love 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, demonstrating that Jesus is God, which means this, that everything that Jesus has called us to, that everything that Jesus has made us for here at Coastal Community Church, that our labor is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore which means, what's the therefore? The first 57 verses, Jesus rose from the dead. Because that's true, because he rose from the dead, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing this, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What are you going through that has caused you to give up hope? Jesus rose from the dead. What could matter more? What's the issue in your life that you look and say, I'm never going to be able to get through this. I'm never going to be able to make it. Jesus rose from the dead. What's your problem? That means nobody can do anything to us when we believe and receive Jesus Christ. That our bodies will be remade. That even in our suffering physically, our purpose is sure. Our hope is secure. Eternal life is there for what is and what is to come. The question this morning is not whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. He did. The question is, is what are you doing about it? What am I doing about it? Is my life different? Am I changed or am I transformed? The Apostle Paul in Romans 12, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation. The Apostle Paul spoke of transformation because he had seen the risen Jesus. Hope is not lost because Jesus rose from the dead. And in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your suffering, it makes sense. And let me share with you how it made sense in my life. I was 23 years old. And at 23, I went in to see the doctor. I had some tests done. I was having these really bad headaches. And I had, I was diagnosed with cancer. 23 years old. And I looked at the Lord and I just wept. I think you have your whole life ahead of you and you get diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and your tumors are around your eyes and in your head, 
And the doctor said, you'll be lucky to see your 30th birthday. That's when the resurrection matters so much more. That's when you're in the midst of your despair and your suffering and you think this life is over, it's gone, and I've lost all hope. And you know what was frustrating? Because two and a half years later, God healed me from my cancer. Two and a half years later, my life was changed and transformed. Two and a half years later, when God healed me, my thought, I thought back to December 12th when I was diagnosed with cancer, and I thought, you know what? The resurrection, the resurrection shouldn't have just mattered then. It should matter today and every day for the rest of my life. Jesus rose from the dead. What are we doing about it? Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, if there's someone here that has not believed or received your son, Jesus Christ, that they would do so in this moment, that they would invite you into their life, they would ask for forgiveness of their sins, and they would receive you, Jesus. I pray that now. Change us, but more so, God, transform us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastor Sean. What a great reminder, isn't it? Thank you, Pastor Andrew. Um, my name is Pastor Sean, and I'm the pastor of Coastal Community Church. And man, I'm, I'm really looking forward to serving the Lord alongside of you, Pastor Andrew. Thank you for bringing a great word and a great word of encouragement. Uh, this is our offering time, so if you're a guest with us this morning, first of all, I want to thank you for being here, and I want you to know that we're not after your money. Uh, but this is one of the ways we worship the Lord at Coastal Community Church, and we, we worship our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by uh, giving back in worship. So if you're a guest, we'd love to have uh, one thing from you. On the side of our bulletin is a tear-off. We call that a Connect card, and if you would fill that out, uh, we just want to mail you a thank you for coming. That's all we're going to do with that. And also, if you're here this morning and, and uh, maybe your burden is heavy and you just want to pray with someone or, or maybe you, uh, you prayed to receive Christ this morning, you'd like to talk to someone and pray with someone. We always have one of our prayer team members here in the front row. Uh, they wear purple shirts. That's how they're kind of designated. And, and so you're welcome to meet with them, pray with them. You can come up during the offering, you can come during the last song, you can come after the service. So they're, they're here to minister to you. Uh, but uh, let's do this. Let me pray over our offering time uh, because we do have a great commission uh, to spread the name and fame of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is one of the ways we do that, and this is used to, to make Jesus famous. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to worship you in giving. I pray that you'd take these resources and multiply them to make Christ famous on this peninsula, uh, in this state, in this nation, and globally uh, until every tribe, tongue, and nation hears of, uh, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Yeah.